Yeah, you know, it's just like it's such an incredibly exciting time for us in the q and um, like all the stars have aligned with the land purchase coming through and, and the, the SRAM support. And, you know, like there's always been the big dream here, you know, between the Trails Club and what Aaron has tried to achieve. And um... Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. If you're new to the Trail Effect podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. We have a special early release episode this week, which will be the first of two episodes, as we are changing it up a bit due to the U.S.-based holiday known as Thanksgiving. Episode 97 features Nathan Miller and Adam Yeoman of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. There's a lot of exciting things happening in Copper Harbor these days. Giving Tuesday is on the horizon, and with that, you can three times your donation, as the Portage Health Foundation is currently matching donations when you donate to the Copper Harbor Trails Club through the Portage Health Foundation. But wait, there's more. SRAM has come on board to match $500,000 a year Yes, that's $500,000 a year over the next five years for the Copper Harbor Trails Club. This means that all donations through Giving Tuesday via the Portage Health Foundation will be matched by Portage Health and by SRAM. Triple your donation now, literally. Links for all this can be found in the show notes or head on over to copperharbortrails.org. Stay tuned all the way to the end of this episode as there will be a preview of what's on the horizon for development in the world of trails in Copper Harbor and at the East Bluff Bike Park for 2023 which may include some new gravity trails. But wait, there's still more. Thanks to the Nature Conservancy in Michigan, an additional 31,000 acres of land has been acquired, which will allow for expanded recreational access for all in the Keweenaw Peninsula. I'd like to take a moment to thank all the listeners and guests who have taken the time to share the Trail Fact episodes on their social media accounts, such as Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, along with taking Trail Fact in their posts. This has helped a lot more listeners find the Trail Fact podcast. Please keep up all the sharing, commenting, and tagging of Trail Fact. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. This podcast is an Evolution Trail Services production. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. Now on to the Trail Effect with Nathan Miller and Adam Yeoman of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Here we are today on Trail Effect. We have a special episode today. We're here at the Copper Harbor Trails Club, who has a lot of stuff going on up there in the Keweenaw Peninsula. I have Nathan Miller, the executive director of the Copper Harbor Trails Club, and Adam Yeoman, the current president of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. And we're going to let Adam and Nathan kind of tell us what their roles are and how they landed into those positions, whether by choice or otherwise. How's it going today, Nathan and Adam? Yeah, great. Thanks. Going awesome. It's it's winter in the Keweenaw. Yeah. Let's kick it off with you, Nathan. Kind of tell us your backstory and how you became the executive director of the Copper Harbor Trails Club. Sure. Um, yeah, I got my start here in the Keweenaw. Like a lot of people, I went to Michigan Tech as an undergrad and eventually through uh, the passage of time wound up with a master's in regional planning. And when I came back to the Keweenaw to 
hopefully put that degree to good work. I wound up with the Keweenaw Land Trust doing conservation work. I helped protect some really cool spots here in the Keweenaw during my time there and built a lot of trails. Uh, and so when the, the executive director position here opened up at the Copper Harbor Trails Club, our former president was like, hey, you ready for a step up? And so I applied for that and I got the job. And so I was back in 2018. I've been here for five seasons of craziness. It's been a lot of cool stuff going on, a lot of scary stuff, ups and downs all over the place. But yeah, we're, we're still here and we're, we're growing like crazy, it seems. Yeah, it comes with the territory for sure. How about you, Adam? You're the current president, but you have quite a history in the Keweenaw, correct? Yeah. So I was actually born in the UK and, and kind of grew up on the west coast of Scotland. But my mom is from this area. And so I came here for middle school and high school. And at that point, I uh, knew this is where I want to end it up. Went back and forth to the UK a couple of times, but I've been here for the last 15 years now, 16 years, something like that. Yeah, and really, I was uh, racing rally cars pretty seriously. And I gave that up six or seven years ago now and, and picked up a mountain bike at that time to kind of replace that feeling of being in the race car. And yeah, I haven't put the bike down since. So it's, it's been a fun, a fun journey with that stuff. And pretty quickly, I think after my first two seasons, you know, I was a regular in the shuttle, you know, with, with Sam and Shelby on the CUNA Adventure Shuttle. And, and so Sam approached me to ask if I wanted to join the board at that point. I really had no idea what the board did, but I just kind of jumped in feet first and was a board, just a general board member for a couple of years, then a couple of years of secretary. And I was treasurer last year and uh, now president this year. So it's been a ride. So you've moved up the org chart then, eh? <laughs> yeah, slowly but surely. Well, we're going to do this a little bit backwards. When we initially put this together, we, you know, the, the topics to discuss would be, one, the 2022 year in review, because you guys have had an exceptional season this year. And then talk about the 31,000 acres that was just conserved via the, the land trust. And then go into the, the uh, SRAM and Giving Tuesday stuff that's going on. But I think we're going to start with you know, that what's going on with SRAM and what's going on with Giving Tuesday, because we're going to release this show on Thanksgiving. And so we want to not only let people know that on a specific level that they can donate to your trail organization, but in general, like if they're in California, their trail organization might be looking for donations as well. And I think this is a good opportunity to let people know that, you know, trail organizations run off donations and, and in some cases, really good grant matching opportunities. Cause I know it's, it's a case in a, in a lot of places where they can People can double or triple their money in some in some ways. So why don't we go into what's going on with SRAM and Giving Tuesday? Because while they are separate things, they also run together. And I don't know if you want to take that one, Adam, or if you want to take that one, Nathan, or we can hand it off between the both of you. So earlier this year, Aaron Rogers from Rock Solid, you know, he's kind of got feelers out in the entire bike community just with the success of the trail contracting business had kind of let us know that SRAM may be interested in uh, partnering with the Trails Club and helping the kind of vision of the QNA come to fruition. And so we had some initial meetings um, with SRAM back in March or April. And and pretty quickly, it sounded like they were going to come on board for some big money, you know, and it, it's what it's worked out to is 500,000 a year over five years, but as a match. So, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to match 2.5 million in five years, which for us as a Trails Club is a huge undertaking. You know, we've been really successful the last few years, raising a couple hundred grand a year. But, you know, part of that goes to trails construction, some of its maintenance, some of its paying for all the other things that we have to do. And so, you know, we're talking about doubling or tripling our fundraising efforts to meet that, meet that match from SRAM. Yeah. And this is, you know, this Giving Tuesday opportunity is like the first big step for us. And it's a thing we've done for a couple of years, but kind of Nathan can 
run you through how it all works. Yeah, for sure. And I know I've personally donated to the Giving Tuesday campaign up there in Copper Harbor, which has gone to, you know, like rebuilding Daisy Dukes. And I think some of it last year was for the Highland Trail finishing up. So it's so you've had some successes and some actual like legitimate trail on the ground built with that Giving Tuesday thing. So let's talk about that, Nathan. Sure. Yeah. So SRAM is going to be matching up to $500,000 a year, which is a huge, huge fundraising effort, like Adam was saying. And so we've got a, a good first leg up here with the Portage Health Foundation coming in to help with this fundraising effort. Um, and so this is our third year being a partner with the Portage Health Foundation. They pick and choose different organizations around in the Copper Country here that they work with. And so I think they've got about three dozen organizations this year that are getting donations matched up to $200,000 from the Portage Health Foundation. And so the foundation is giving 200 grand to all of our organizations kind of split between each of us based on how much we can raise throughout the month of November leading up to Giving Tuesday. And so we've been soliciting donations for that for about two weeks now. And just last week when we announced the SRAM deal, it really supercharged us. And the Portage Health Foundation, they saw that that bump up. They said, holy cow, like, looks like Nathan and the Trails Club sent out some emails or a Facebook post, like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, they're like, whoa, 500 grand from SRAM, and they got to match it. And so for us, it's a cool opportunity because we get to match any donation that comes in twice. SRAM will match whatever we are able to raise through the Portage Health Foundation's Giving Tuesday program through November here. So if you give to the Portage Health Foundation and earmark that money for the Trails Club here, that money will be matched by the Portage Health Foundation and then all of that matched again by SRAM. So in the past, we've raised $30,000, dollars $40,000, $50,000 or so towards trail development through Giving Tuesday. And this year, who knows? We're aiming big and I don't think we're going to get all 500000 in just the next couple of weeks here, but I'd be super excited if we did. <laughs> Make our job a lot easier for the next year. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Can we start raising for 2023 or 2024 now? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yep. So the best part about this match program, not only are donations matched twice, but every dollar counts. You give $5, it could turn into $10 or $15. You give $100, that could be $300 in the end. Um, so we're really looking forward to seeing what we can raise through this. We've already gotten tons of donations, like I've been saying, both big and small. So we really encourage people that if they've come to Copper Harbor in the last couple of years and they've enjoyed seeing what we've been building, that we're going to be able to build a lot more, a lot quicker through the Portage Health Foundation's match and most importantly, what SRAM is bringing to the table here. Yeah. Speaking of opportunities, this is where this is a perfect segue into what their money could go for. Recently, it was announced that 31,000 acres was secured via the Nature Conservancy in Michigan. Let's talk about what that means, because those who have been around and paying attention to what the Copper Harbor Trails Club has been doing, there's a big pie in the sky trail out there called the Keweenaw Point Trail. One could assume that this might help gain access to what's needed to make that point trail become reality, but also some other things. So let's talk about why why it's important that the 31,000 acres was put in a conservation, well, it was acquired actually, and B, like how it came to be, you know, like it's not very many places in the continental United States that you have a 31,000 acre piece of land that you can actually put together, right? Yeah, totally. You know, I, like, I think that is sort of the nail on the head, you know, to, to find this amount of contiguous land in the lower 48 is kind of unheard of at this point. 
And I think the Nature Conservancy recognized that as well as the importance here of outdoor recreation. You know, so all this land here was has been owned by logging companies for years. Before that, the mining companies, and most re- recently, it's been held by a hedge fund. Um, so you know, no local interest, just people looking at uh, bottom line, and that's it. And so, for an organization like the Nature Conservancy, you know, they they saw this to be able to put a conservation easement over the entire property as a huge carbon dump area. You know, a lot of carbon sequestration that can happen here. And a real, a huge opportunity to promote outdoor recreation. So as that relates back to us, you know, not that we've run out of room ourselves for our available land. You know, we have a lot of projects we want to complete on current state land, but it's just like this huge window has opened up for all these trail projects we can do out into the future. Yeah. Let's get uh, your take on this, Nathan. Sure. Yeah. And like just a little bit more of the recent history with this, um, this is kind of the second chapter of massive conservation projects here in the Keweenaw. Um, back in the early, early 2000s, right around the uh, the turn of the millennium, the Nature Conservancy, they purchased and helped the DNR buy here in Michigan, uh, the first several thousand acres around the lakeshore. Um, so High Rock Bay, a lot of the stuff near Horseshoe Harbor, going all the way down and around the point, and then over to Montreal River, all that was protected in the kind of first round of this Tiplins deal. And it was always kind of the goal to eventually move inland and protect more of the the center of the peninsula, kind of south of Copper Harbor, filling in all those gaps. But finding tens of millions of dollars is a little bit challenging, and to manage all of that was also a challenge. And so over the past bunch of years, not a lot had happened out there. People were going to hunt, they were fishing, just kind of camping out there. There wasn't a whole lot of traffic, but as the Copper Harbor Trails Club grew and we started to push the Keweenaw Point Trail through that land that the DNR had been or had owned here, it introduced more people to these special areas. And so once we got the Point Trail out to High Rock Bay, like, it went off the map. I remember going out there 10 years ago or so, and there really wasn't a whole lot of traffic out there, like some snowmobilers in the winter, some motors going out in their big trucks, but that was about it. And now you get just tons of people camping out there. It's almost too many people have discovered these special places because our trail goes out there. The High Rock Bay Road has gotten on the map. And so now we're helping other organizations up here kind of develop this recreational resource a little bit better and help manage it. And so the Keweenaw Outdoor Recreation Coalition was born a couple of years ago out of some initiatives that we've been working on. And so this Outdoor Recreation Coalition, or CORC as it's known, is kind of a collection of all sorts of different entities here in the Keweenaw area. We've got non-motorized groups like the Copper Harbor Trails Club, but then you've got the ATV and the snowmobile groups. You have the conservation groups, you've got sportsman groups, the rock hounds, the berry pickers, bird watchers, everybody is represented in this coalition because we all wanted one thing, which was to protect the entire landscape of the Keweenaw if we could. And it was perfect timing for that organization to be formed because right around that same time, about a year later, is when this hedge fund put about half the Keweenaw for sale, that 31,000 acres. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose it. What if the Powerball winner comes in and buys the whole Keweenaw County? Like It was a real threat that one person or one entity could buy it. And then again, for another generation, we wouldn't have a local say in this. And so fortunately, the Nature Conservancy of Michigan saw what was happening up here. 
they were able to work with the DNR. They were able to hear from all the local partners. They got hundreds and hundreds of letters from people around the state and the country saying, this is an important landscape. Let's not lose this. Let's do something while we have the chance. And they finally were able to do it. They've now purchased that 31,000 acres. And what happens next is kind of up to the community. Uh, There's going to be a very large planning process to figure out what happens here because it's not often that you get 31,000 acres and several different organizations all with somewhat competing interests, but all kind of wanting the same thing here, which is for this landscape not to be developed and not to be chopped up into tiny little pieces with houses put on every hilltop. And fortunately, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. And that's kind of, for those that may not be completely familiar with this, and this is only audio, but let's kind of paint that audio picture of what that means in terms of the location of this relative to Copper Harbor proper, but also the East Bluff Bike Park, I think is going to play a a kind of a pivotal role in terms of being kind of a, even maybe even more of a hub in terms of where people can venture from to get onto this land once it's, you know, once you guys figure out what you're going to do with it. Yeah. The land is, uh, it's sort of everywhere. (laughs) You know, the state owned the tip up until recently, 9,000 acres or 8,000 acres, sort of right on the tip of the the CUNA. And then this 31,000 kind of fills in the rest. So sort of everything south of Copper Harbor, a uh, little bit to the east out towards the tip, and then a lot to the west, and then continuing south down towards Lac Belle, where Mount Bohemia is. And there is some state land in there already. There is the Montreal River Corridor that was owned by the state, but it kind of fills in all these little nooks and crannies, and then even extends further south from Lac Belle. And so it's, I mean, it, like the, the, the scope of it is huge. You know, it really is basically everything in the, the eastern tip of the Cuna is just completely protected now. It's amazing. Yep. And this landscape is almost completely undeveloped. It's been used for logging fairly heavily in recent times. And there are a couple of dirt gravel roads that go out there. Some of them, it's generous to call them roads. Uh, They're mostly huge mud puddles and giant rock gardens for trucks. And other than that, there's really not a whole lot else. Our Keweenaw Point Trail heads east from Copper Harbor and that's the last you'll see of really any development at the moment. Uh, you'll you'll ride the Keweenaw Point Trail for over 10 miles before you reach High Rock Bay. So it's almost a true wilderness trail. You're just going off to the end of the earth in Michigan. And the Keweenaw Peninsula juts out into Lake Superior and there's nothing left. You get to the High Rock Bay and you look out. There's one island, Manitou Island out there and Gull Rock, I suppose. And there's nothing else. You're just looking out into... an inland ocean and the Keweenaw Point Trail is going to go around this entire peninsula at the tip of it near Copper Harbor and hit the lake at several different locations and in some cases it might ride right along the beach for miles and this is going to be a completely undeveloped landscape kept that way forever and used solely for recreation in the coming generations and forever so it's going to be a really exciting opportunity for us to work with other partners to kind of develop this landscape, not for homes and commercial real estate, but for recreation, overnight camping areas, trails of all types for all users. Um, It's going to be really exciting. And it's great for us because we've got SRAM here bringing in 500,000 a year. And that's going to really, really allow us to build out some of this vision a lot quicker than we would have otherwise. Yeah, and that gets us back to the beginning of this and why it's important to make those donations. It's it's such a 
You know, for me personally, Copper Harbor is, I mean, I, I think people think I'm nuts, especially that have never been there. When I say like Copper Harbor is my favorite place to ride. And if I got a free window of time where I can drive up, that's where I'm going, you know? And it's, I think more, I think people do think I'm crazy when I say that. I'm like, if you haven't been there, you don't understand. But if you've been there, you'll completely understand. Yep. You get to the yeah, top of a bluff and there's just forest for tens of miles in all directions and nothing else. It's so beautiful. Yeah, for sure. What, what, you had something to say there, Adam? Yeah, I think it's just such a unique place in, in the lower 48, right? Like there's nothing quite like the, the vast landscape that's here and like the uniqueness of Copper Harbor itself. Such a weird little town and so cool that you can stay in any of like the mom and pop motels and literally ride your bike right to the trails. You know, you're rarely getting in a car to travel to a different trailhead. It's like you pedal, you know, to the brewery or to the restaurants and then straight onto the trail. And it's, it's such a cool thing. Yeah. That's, and that to me is a huge bonus when it comes to traveling to different communities is like getting there and being able to park your vehicle and using your bike for rest for the rest of the trip or, or foot tra- or walk or whatever. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, let's get into your 2022 season review and the successes because, you know, a lot, there is obviously a lot of um, talk about what happened in 2021, but then 2022, a lot of things changed. And I'll be honest, like when I came up there in 2021, I was really happy to see what I saw because while you guys did have some temporary closures of some trails, there was other stuff going on. Like the Highland Trail was getting built, you know, more stuff was getting built in East Bluff. Some maintenance is going on in different trails. And those trips I made in 2021 were still very much rewarding. It forced me to go ride some different places. And I think that was incredible. But let's talk about your 2022 kind of review and successes. And we'll maybe start that out with the opening of some former trails that, ha- that had a uh, temporary closure animal column, you know, call it like Danimal fly- uh, Overflow and Flying Squirrel. Yeah. So we were lucky enough in 20, yeah, in 2021, we reopened Danimal and Squirrel. Um, so it was able to, op- you know, reopen partway through the year towards the end of the year. You know, fortunately, the Kuna Mountain Lodge came on board and bought this fairly big chunk of, of land that all those trails were on. And so that was like sort of an easy solution. You know, we had a, a landowner who was like, you know, involved and very invested in the trail system who was able to save those trails for us. And then over this past winter coming into 2022, we really pushed hard to be able to reopen overflow, basically, and and really nail down the having flow be have permit access, but it was overflow that was closed. And so that was just months of negotiations um, between ourselves, the local municipality, their lawyers, their insurance agents, and our insurance agents. And uh, we just had to play through the process and be patient with it. And fortunately, that's all it took, you know, just a lot of patience, but we did get there in the end. And so we took that momentum straight away, put the trail crews down overflow because it's nine, 10 years old at this point and was was ready for a refresh. And so, you know, we've had the money ready to do that for a few years now. We didn't have the access. So it was like the first thing we did, as well as going back to the other side of the hill. Uh, we were able to redo Flying Squirrel, which kind of took the entire season. It, it, it was a weird build season. It was so dry here. And we sort of learned with Overflow that if we rushed it, the dryness wasn't doing us any favors. So fortunately, we were patient with Squirrel and, and really have let that set up. And we we're also able to redo Daisy Dukes, which, as you mentioned before, was a previous Giving Tuesday project um, that unfortunately had to get put on hold for a couple of years because of the struggles uh, with the trail closures. But yeah, you know, I think we got those all open before the the snow went this year and it was like such a relief to like finally put all these struggles behind us and just be able to like have a positive spin to start the year. 
Yeah, I don't think we can highlight enough too that you brought up a good point that I didn't have written down. If it wasn't for the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge and the owner of the Keweenaw Mountain Lodge buying that property, that definitely helped accelerate things and and really put you guys in a good position and and them in a good position. And it wasn't something they had to do. And it's not something that they're going to be able to develop, correct? It's still got to be open to the public, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they have like uh, small opportunities for development windows, um, but most of the land has a conservation easement on it. We have permanent easements on all our trail quarters on it. And so, yeah, you know, it's very much out of the goodness of their heart to, to be able to come in and support us, support the conservation on it. And, uh, you know, they have an important view shed that they want to protect. And so it all sort of played in together. It's sort of a win-win-win for everybody. So it was great. How about you, Nathan? What do you, you got anything you'd like to add on, on that topic? Because I have some more new trails that I'm going to bring up here in a second. Yeah, I think Adam covered it really well. We're just so grateful that we've been able to kind of build a, a brand new relationship with Grant Township, especially up in the Keweenaw. Um, they've been exciting to work with. It's kind of hard to say you're excited to work with the government, but in our case, we are. Uh, they've had almost a complete turnover up there with all new faces on their their commission. And it's been really great to kind of bring them up to speed on to what we're doing. And they they genuinely care about our organization and helping us help them because this is a team effort here, what's going on in Copper Harbor. Um, obviously, we've relied on the generosity of landowners to allow us to build trails over the years. But kind of in return, we've helped to support the local economy up there uh, by bringing people to Copper Harbor, filling hotel rooms, filling restaurants and bars, and really restarting a, a tourism economy that had kind of gotten a little stale over the years. Um, we were perfectly placed for the COVID tourism boom, and it, it hurt everybody a little bit because there were just so many people that came to town, and we all realized where the, the gaps were. And to finally have a, a township board that wants to work with us to solve these problems is really cool. So we're, we're already contemplating future new trailheads and trail access corridors that they're willing to work with us on. So this is kind of a, a new future for us that we're, we're looking forward to working on. Yeah. In staying on the new stuff that opened in 2022 and tying in a Giving Tuesday campaign, the Highland Trail opened up and that was finished thanks to some donations that were acquired through the Giving Tuesday campaign with Portage with the Portage Health Foundation. There's actually a couple miles that we want to go on this trail. So the the current three miles is some of the coolest trail that we have in Copper Harbor right now. Uh, my my former favorite trail was Blue Trail until Highlands was built, and I was like, this is a cool trail. It goes through some terrain that is very rugged. Um, it's a expert level trail or advanced level trail, if only because the trail is so exposed. There's very, very narrow sections where you have a cliff on one side and a super steep embankment on the other side. Um, It winds around and gets to a very awesome overlook on DNR land that just wide open. It's almost a 360 degree view. You're just up on this bluff and you can see Lake Superior in two different directions. Um, And then it winds around through a forest that we didn't know when we built that trail, but the DNR actually classifies it as a type two old growth forest. And so this type of area, they weren't ever planning to log it. So you're, you're seeing trees that are bigger than most of the other types of trees that you see in the Keweenaw. Um, It's a very unique area to explore and we're not done yet. Right now it dead ends on a two track 
kind of going off into the middle of nowhere like they do in the Keweenaw. And we're hoping to bring it out maybe another two or three miles and wrap it back into the Keweenaw Point Trail. So this is going to be another really, really cool cross-country loop through an area that otherwise it's very challenging to get through. So we're really bringing people to a new place and showing them the best that the Keweenaw has to offer. Yeah. And then on top of that, and maybe Adam can speak to this a little bit more. Oh, he's our downhill guy. He knows. Yeah, so we're, that's where we're going. We're going to go, A, the Weathertop Trail was opened at East Bluff, but then also at East Bluff, which is, you know, separate from the Copper Harbor Trails Club, but still obviously tightly tied into the Copper Harbor Trails Club. You know, Rock Solid was was dropping some teaser photos of what might be coming on the horizon for even in 2023 and some stuff they had built right next to current downhill trails during the 2022 build season. Why don't you take uh, that one over, Adam? Yeah, we've actually kind of solidified our partnership with Rock Solid and specifically East Bluff a little bit more, um, where for a long time, Rock Solid was funding the trail building there. You know, it was really their initiative. But to accelerate some of the growth there, we, we've actually come on board to help fund some of those trails. And so, yeah, Weathertop we knocked out this year. It's, it's almost like a segue into some other trails that are coming in the future as well. But it's a cool cross-country loop off the climb trail that sort of encircles the, the top of the bluff. And gets you to, again, one of the best overlooks are in the q and You know, it's like we just keep having these amazing overlooks. And it's cool and varied. And you get to see the backside of the bluff, which is future terrain, which is so exciting to me. It's really interesting back there. But yeah, that now we have plans for more downhill trail. There's a, it's a, a trail with the working name Dissector, which will get changed at some point. But kind of like cuts Low Ryan, one of the current trails, in half. And so they started on the lower half of that, which is... Uh, it's a really neat kind of spur off of Flo Ryan. Some massive berms. There's going to be some really cool optional beelines where Flo Ryan's kind of uh, maybe an advanced blue downhill. It's going to keep that flavor the whole way to the bottom, but with some cool big side hits um, that'll be very interesting. And and then there's an upper section of the trail that's going to get built next year, which is it's going to be a little more rugged for East Bluff. You know, all the stuff there is very machine built, and the feel for this new trail is going to be a little more. Um, rake and ride-ish, you know, get down to some bedrock and places where it's cool, but leave the trail a little bit more natural so it can kind of weather in a little bit. And um, I'm excited. It's going to be a great race course. And so adding it to the Enduro is going to be really fun. You know, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, because I know you did make a comment at the start of the last stage of the Enduro this last fall, that there may be more stages this year. And I was going to ask you if you see more Enduro stages on the horizon in that zone, because it would be awesome. For sure. Yeah. You know, it's, so I've been the race director for three or four years now. And I think a a trend that we've seen, at least in the upper Midwest, is that people want the Enduros to be harder. Uh, you know, I look at Marquette, the fall Enduro, there's nine stages, you know, and traditionally we were like three stages in the spring, four stages in the fall for our expert. And we're already trying to expand that out. And a little bit, we, our hands have been tied because we, uh, although we're such a gravity centric place, like we don't have that many great race courses. And but the development at East Block, that's really opening that up. And I think over the next two to three years, you know, we could probably do an entire Enduro at East Block and have a six, seven, or eight stage Enduro out there. So some really cool opportunities for the future. Uh, really cool for me to be able to vary the race course um, for what it's been traditionally and just give us lots of options um, so we can change it up each year. Speaking of racing, let's talk about Trails Fest. I was up at Trails Fest this year. I haven't missed a Trails Fest since 2011, which was my. First time coming up there, and I'm going to say I didn't even miss Trails Fest in 2020 because there wasn't an official Trails Fest, but (laughs) I was still there. 
And I was super happy that I did a lot of laps on downtown that year. Um, anyhow. You know, like we haven't given up yet. Like, uh, so downtown's on a private landowner um, or land that a, the private landowner has. And he has been so generous to us over the years and, and totally his decision, you know, uh, where our struggles before with, with local government and were kind of frustrating to a lot of riders. You know, this, this guy is a private landowner and he, like I said, the generosity has been, it's been amazing over the years. And so for him to decide to go a different direction is very cool and totally fine. But we have not given up hope on downtown. I, I think there's a path there and we're just going to let the future play out. But I think all of us are hoping it'll be back one day. And let's go into this year's Trails Fest because it was super successful. You had not only a huge turnout of people and, and all your races and events were, because not all the events were races, because you also had some uh, learning opportunities there for coaching and stuff like that were super successful. The Northern Lights showed up. I mean, how often does that happen during Trails Fest? It was, I mean, all the, kind of all the ingredients came together. It was super hot at the beginning and then it got really seasonal at the end and it stayed dry. I mean, I will say I do enjoy a dry Trails Fest, even though it's too dry because I've been at Trails Fest where it's done nothing but rain the whole time. But yeah, let's talk about, maybe Nathan, you can go into how successful that Trails Fest was this year in 2022. Yeah, it was probably our set. Well, it was our second biggest trails fest ever. Um, just barely like two dozen people behind where we were in 2019. So we're right back where we were. It was like we didn't skip a beat. Uh, we had two nights of awesome music uh, with four on the floor wrapping up the event on Sunday. And then uh, totally like we weren't sure how it would go, but we had Terrapin Flyer. They're a Grateful Dead cover band. They did Saturday Night's Music, and that was a cool show. There was a t- completely different audience that we've probably never seen at Trails Fest before. Just all these old guys in their tie-dye t-shirts just bobbing along. It's like, well, none of these people mountain bike, but they're just here for the music. They're here for Copper Harbor. It's such a cool way to share the event in this new place for all these folks. And of course, like the Northern Lights came out. I remember talking with the band. And they were like, oh, it would be so cool to see the Northern Lights. And I was like telling them where the docks were to go look late at night when it gets totally dark after the show. And then like they're packing up all their gear and everything. I was like, guys, guys, like just look up over the stage, like bright lights everywhere in your face. And they're just like, look over. You didn't even need to acclimate. It was just like right there. Northern Lights. Everybody just could not believe it. And then we had it again the second night. I was like. I don't know. Like next year's our 30th anniversary. Will we be able to pop this year? Like how do we get the Northern lights to happen every single night? Like, <laughs> That's the real question here. They wouldn't be so special if they happened every night. So that's pretty awesome. That's true. Yeah. But we sold out the Enduro event. We sold out the downhill event for the first time ever. Uh, the cross country race has been doing really well. Somewhere between 200 and 250 people race in that event. The the trail run, everybody enjoyed, in quotation marks, enjoyed the race because we put them up and down some of our most chunky downhill trails and they're running it, which <laughs> I don't know if most people doing a, a 10K race, they're signing up for that, but they are in Copper Harbor. And then our kids race was really fun. So it was all around a a great event for races. And we also held a a clinic, a little mini clinic for a couple of hours to bring people in and kind of show them some of the basics with some professional coaches. And then we partnered with the Kiwana Mountain Lodge to offer a couple of guided nature hikes throughout the weekend. And those were all filled up as well. Really, we're, we're firing all cylinders and looking forward to next year. 
What, how about your take on this, Adam? You were obviously heavily involved with certain aspects of it. Yeah, you know, so I'm the race director for the downhill and the enduro, and uh, it's pretty amazing to see them both sell out. A challenge in some ways, you know, like we're so used to seeing the numbers we've seen for so long, and like although we have so many lots available, you know, it's it's easy to plan for less. Um, but a, a super cool challenge. And we ended up opening up more spots for the enduro because there's so many participants in the Lake Superior Gravity Series who like just expect they can show up on the day and sign up and realize they couldn't. And so we wanted to make sure to give those people an opportunity to be, be able to race uh, out the entire series. And we were able to, to squeeze them in to the race. So it worked out super cool. Yeah, Nathan and I were just chatting like two days ago, like, how are we going to top this year? Like it all, like all the stars aligned for it just to be amazing. But it's a good school. It'll be a good challenge. You know, from my perspective, I'm excited to have fun new race courses um, for the Enduro. Uh, you know, I think the downhill is only going to grow. I think that's a trend we're seeing across the sport, right? You know, more people transition to enduro or downhill. And so for, you know, I think we're going to be in a position to keep those people psyched and like new things coming at them. So they'll come back year after year. Yeah. And a hot tip for those wanting to do enduro racing as part of the Great Lakes Gravity Series, selling out before the race is becoming a pretty regular trend because Marquette sold out weeks ahead of theirs as well. So. You know, we, we know there are certain races in the region that sell out really, really, really fast. I hope the Enduro doesn't sell out as fast as some stuff has been known to sell out. <laughs> but that is, a, I think that's a trend that's happening. And that's, I think that goes to show the health of, of the activity as, as a whole, right? Yeah, definitely. And I, we're seeing such a, a huge variety of people signing up for our races. You know, like our kids' races are doing super well. The enduro, you know, we have a, a beginner sport and expert class and they're like, they're all filled up and it's like everybody from all walks of life starting racing at like all different ages. You know, there's little kids racing, there's older people racing, you know, there's like this band of like little rippers in the Midwest uh, that are just killing it. And it's so much fun to watch these like 10 to 14 year old kids out there as a little crew and just, you know, the, the, the pace of them, the pace of the sport is so much fun to watch uh, here in Copper Harbor. Yeah. And I will say, you know, I'm newer to the enduro side of things. I've, at least for the last decade or more, I've been pretty heavily focused on cross country and long distance cross country. But I will say after attending a handful of enduro races everywhere from down in uh, Arkansas to, you know, where you guys are up in Copper Harbor, the way that you guys have adapted in terms of getting your waves and doing and having your timing set up and having people going to different stages at different times has been so incredible. And I think more race directors need to take note of that because it's by far the shortest lines I've ever had in terms of waiting to start a stage. Thank you for that. And I think more people need to look at, you know, how you guys are doing things. Cause it's really good. Well, cool. <laughs> I'm glad it's working out. <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, uh, that's, I think that's for, all down to Adam here. For me, like I said, I said before, I raced rally cars for a long time. And some of that is like structure to a T, you know, you've got a start minute to show up on. And it just works super well. And so it's like, well, you know, we're not doing anything unique. I think the EWS is a, you know, an even more stringent thing than we do, but there's no reason we can't do something similar in the Midwest. And uh, we tried it two years ago just to see if it would work. And I think, like you said, the lines are short, uh, gives everybody like kind of good structure. And, uh, you know, you can just really plan out your day because you're going to know what to expect. Well, we're going to get to closing comments here. Obviously, one of the closing comments is, you know, Giving Tuesday and donating to the Copper Harbor Trails Club. But let's get your closing comments first, Nathan, to wrap this one up and then we'll go to Adam. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for us is that it, it comes down to volunteers. We've got some incredible volunteers that help us out. This is my job full time, but for Adam and the rest of our board and everybody else who helps at Trails Fest or our clinics and other things like that, they're all volunteers and there's a ton of organizations like ours. So definitely thank your volunteers. And if you are a volunteer, you are appreciated and people do see that. I mean, here's Josh saying, how awesome our event is. And that's all down to Adam in his spare time because he's passionate about this, making a meticulous schedule that looks crazy on paper. But then when you put into practice, boom, perfect event and can't do it without volunteers. So thank you all for your time. And thanks for donating to both our trail organizations and your other local trail organizations. What do you got, Adam? How would you like to wrap this up on your end? Yeah, you know, it's just like, it's such an incredibly exciting time for us in the q and um, Like all the stars have aligned with the land purchase coming through and, and the this, this SRAM support. And, you know, like there's always been the big dream here, you know, between the Trails Club and what Aaron has tried to achieve. And, uh, you know, that is, it's like finally going to happen. And it happened at a pace faster than any of us thought. And, uh, you know, we're so thankful for, all, yeah, like all of the volunteers, all the people who donate to us over the years thankful to the nature conservancy and for cork and just everything that has come together to allow us to do what we're doing. And we couldn't be more excited. Well, Adam and Nathan, I really appreciate your willingness to carve some time out of your, both your schedules to get this out. We're going to, hopefully this will help add to people that are donating to the Copper Harbor Trails Club. I know I will be donating to the Copper Harbor Trails Club and it's incredible to see what Copper Harbor has done. It's, I mean, to me, it's, it's a place that I've taken my family for, I mean, my daughter, the for my, I have two daughters, but my oldest daughter, the first time she was there, she was six weeks old, you know, and that was one of those rainy Copper Harbor Trails Fest years, you know, and it is what it is. And, and they've, you know, I have two daughters now, they've been to Copper Harbor numerous times. My older daughter just wrote a story about going to Copper Harbor in her fourth grade class this year. So it's definitely been a, been a pretty awesome thing in my family and, and for us. And so I really am encouraged by what not only has happened because what has happened is completely awesome, but what, you know, what the future could hold. So thank you two very much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. Links for the various topics discussed in the show can be found in the show notes. Our next episode will feature Panama Joe, the director of culture for single track trails. If you like what you've heard, please take the time to share these shows with others. Sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself. Also, if you're new to the Trail Effect Podcast, check out our ever-expanding library of episodes. Please don't forget to leave a rating and review as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the Trail Effect Podcast. I'd also like to thank all of the listeners who have signed up to be supporters of Trail Effect through Patreon. These actions mean a lot to me. With that, the value for value concept is something that has caught my attention. If you find value in the Trail Effect Podcast, you now have a way to provide value for that value via Patreon for Trail Effect. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. For more information about Evolution Trail Services, go to www.evotrails.com. If you have ideas on future communities or people to feature in Trail Effect, please don't hesitate to reach out by emailing evolutiontrails at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Mm-hmm.